Four years ago tomorrow, their son was killed on the south perimeter. We learn today about the fundraiser in Ethan Boyer's name. Also today, the downtown recovery strategy. What the results say about what's working, what's not, and where you can take the survey on the next steps. Breakfast with the Bombers, the legendary Milt Stiegel joined us today. And for a chance to win tickets for one of two shows that we announced today, we learned that Bobby, the world's oldest dog, has died at 31. Times our pets defied the odds. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, October 24th podcast for The Start. It is... You know what? I actually don't know what it is. We have this monitor in our studio that tells us our temperature, but it's like askew. It's, it's either the zero. The wind chill is minus three. We can tell you that. Oh, the wind chill's back. Get lost. <laughs> okay. At the Forks, we've got zero. And let's just see what we've got at the airport. At the airport, zero. Outside 680 CJOB. <laughs> it is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and... Are we opening the show by talking about salsa? Opening the show by talking about opening a can of... <laughs> I don't even know where I'm taking that. Last week, Fill in the blank, Greg. Loren took us down a spicy rabbit hole like, last week. I like week. to go where... Is it Taco Bell and KFC that are in the same location? When mm-hmm. I get the tacos for the kids so that I can get the hot sauce so that I can then put it on my zinger. Like my oh. chicken burger. Yeah. All those fast food joints that claim to have the spicy whatever... It is, is never spicy. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's nonsense. And they say habanero, which is a spicy, spicy pepper. And you're like, I don't know where this habanero is from, but it's not habanero for me. <laughs> <laughs> well done. But your tolerance for spicy stuff is I know. Is I crazy. Know. Pretty good. My kids always say that to me. Like, is it you spicy mom or me spicy? Like, which spice meter are we using this morning? I like my spicy stuff. As you should. As you oughta. So, we're going to talk this morning about how to save money this time of year, every time of year, particularly this year, with things like making your homemade salsa or canning or freezer meals, you know, casseroles, the things that you do where you're like, I could freeze that. I just discovered, my mother-in-law introduced us to this. She bought a bunch of corn on the cob from a local farm, and we've frozen the cobs and eat them. Oh. Like we just let them defrost and then cook them like normal and they're still good. Love that. And it's a money saver. So, okay. but the canning thing I'm not familiar with. No, I'm not familiar with the canning and the jamming and all that sort of stuff. But last night on the Bombers Coaches Show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea, we learned something new. I'm pretty sure something new about the coach. Uh, Are you a hot sauce guy? Yes, I am. Oh, I have a few different versions in the fridge at home, but I also, during the the season off, I happen to uh, make my own. Really? Yes. I don't have any left. Right, right. And I will, at some point, try to make another batch. But it was fermented hot peppers and uh, some tequila. and Let it ferment for a couple weeks and then boiled it up. Strained it. It was pretty darn good. What kind of peppers are we talking? Are you jalapeno? Between jalapeno and like... Uh, ghost pepper, well, uh, not, Carolina not, Reaper. No, no, okay. not like that. Not like that. Although I do have some ghost peppers that I was given in my fridge. Have to make a sauce with them at some point. Interesting. But, uh, well, if bye weeks next season coincide with the St. Norbert Farmer's Market, maybe you can get a bottle of Mike O'Shea's hot sauce. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> that, that's pretty cool. What what got you into that? Are, have you been a big hot sauce time. fan? Or? Yeah. <laughs> for everybody had time. Just, uh, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of canning and pickling and jarring, and next thing you know, you're doing something. You, I didn't wear gloves either. My, I couldn't finger my, feel my fingertips for about three days. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that, wearing gloves. I didn't know that was part of the process. That's spicy. If you if it's numbing, oh, the, that's the making my taste buds just go. Oh, I love it. Oh yeah. Uh, so, how do you prep for winter meals, jams, sauces? 
Let us know. 204-780-6868. Is your answer store-bought, Brett? Yeah. That's how you prep? Yep. Pantry full. That's fine too. It might be a thing that you it might be a thing that you buy at a certain time of year that you stock up on because it's on sale at that time and then you have that throughout the year. And when it comes to salsas, there's ones I really do like and when they're not on the shelf, I'm like, forget it. This meal's off. I'm not doing it without that specific kind of salsa. There's a ghost pepper one I get at co-op I love. I do need to try the Carolina Reaper. Yeah, my my uh, meal prep involves Santa Lucia pizza from Corden <laughs> or St. Mary's. Ooh, but you could freeze the slices. Does that ever happen? Were no. You- <laughs> there have to be Leftovers. pieces left over. Yes. No. Scoffs at me. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Here is the headline at globalnews.ca. He was a good boy. World's oldest dog, Bobby, dies at 31. And this dog, in February, the Guinness World Records crowned the purebred Rafero do Alentejo from rural Portugal as the both the oldest living dog and the oldest dog to ever live. 31 years, 163 days. And if we're going by dog years, seven years, that makes this dog 220 years old. So that kind of defies the odds. We were like... Dogs can live to 30? I've never, ever heard of that. And he was with the owner the whole, like the same person the whole time. Can you imagine the relationship they had? You know, you think about your dog being in your life some 7, 10, maybe 12 years. Some, I think, can live to 18, I've heard, but 31. Yeah. And he still, like, he does, when you look at this dog, you would never guess that this dog is 31 years old. Still looked pretty good in the video that's at uh, globalnews.ca. So we want to ask you about a time your pet defied the odds whether it was the pet's age whether it was the pet perhaps defeating some sort of seemingly impossible health situation um or just a time where like if you want to go lighter just a time where your pet defied the odds and you look up at your pet and you're like how the heck did you get up there or how did you get in here or how did you do this how did you accomplish this ridiculous feat 204-780-6868 let's have some fun with our pets Cam Poitras, why don't we start with you? Well, I'll, uh, we'll start things off with this clip just to set the stage. Greg, how come you don't like cats? <laughs> I don't not like cats. I, I just I just prefer dogs. I mean, I'm just more of a dog kind of, you know. Come home, they're you know, wagging their little tails, happy to see you. Kind of. so you need that assurance, do you? You prefer an emotionally shallow animal? <laughs> I... You see, Greg, when you yell at a dog, his tail will go between his legs and cover his genitals, his ears will go down. A dog is very easy to break, but cats make you work for their affection. They don't sell out the way dogs do. Couldn't agree uh, with Robert De Niro more there. Do not get me started on this, No, Cam. no, I'm just kidding. I love dogs. I love cats. Um, uh, my, uh, so my, my, my wife and my mother-in-law have, have a cat um, named Sammy, and he's, he's, we call him, we say he's weird, and my mother-in-law is probably listening right now. She gets very offended when I say Sammy's weird, but he, he's weird. He's a wonderful cat. He's absolutely wonderful. He's a, but he'll just like flop down like you know most cats are like gentle he's just like a he's a thumper like he's just a real weirdo and um uh, one time uh he there was a there's a fold-out bed in the basement and we're thinking where the heck is sammy and all of a sudden so we're looking around the house we can't find him anywhere and all of a sudden we see these there's you know there's like this little crack in between this hole and you just see this paw just like shoot in and out shoot in and out of there and it's like, how did you get in there? There's no explanation as to how he found his way into that spot. And he's just shooting his, his paw in and out of this hole. And so I had to lift, I had to like lift him out of this spot. And he's like forcing his face under, um, uh, like trying to get underneath. Like it's, you can see his nose start to poke through between the spots and he gets in there and he shoots out and he takes off and Sammy's a weirdo. Is he mewing to get out? No, he was just, I guess he was trying to tell people, he doesn't really have much of a mouth. It's kind of like, it's like, he's, he's a very big boy, um, but he's, he's got kind of like a, like it's not much of anything that you ever hear. Again, he's a weird guy. He's a really weird guy. I like this cat. How old is he? Oh goodness. He's four. Okay. He's not that old, but he's a weirdo. Right. Nice. But he's a wonderful cat, but he's weird. 
Love it. Sorry, Leia. He is weird. Mackie, what about you? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, I call it Jackie's Zoo in the morning. She'll send me pictures. Yeah, all the animals are in bed with me right now. Two dogs and cat and one of the dogs and, and the cat still don't really get along. It's kind of funny. But we had a cat. Oh, I was about 14, 15 that had a litter of kittens. Her name was Precious. And we got rid of all the kittens. And we decided to keep one kitten. And uh, one day the kitten disappeared one day two day three day my stepdad cut open all the venting in the basement we were concerned that the kitten Mm -hmm. nope there was no evidence of this cat anywhere so we sort of forgot about said cat didn't even have a name for this cat yet and then about six seven weeks later i'm coming down the stairs front doors open beautiful summer day and there's this cat meowing at the front door open it up and there there's this cat that had been missing for i'm sure it was five or six weeks went running right to precious snuggled up to her and sure enough it was our cat the next day somebody put posters i've lost my cat we trucked this guy you stole this cat from us and uh we named the cat penner that cat split came back for a long cat, time. We had that cat for 10 years. <laughs> That's crazy. That's Someone cool. stole, that you is. think that person stole the cat? Oh, oh 100%. Wow. Found wow. it, made no effort to try and find the owner. That's for sure. Anyways, just uh, saw a That's a story of Zenner. Like, yeah. Sarah, what about you? Yeah, my family's golden retriever, Dexter, um, had a stomach of steel right from the day we brought him home. Uh, he was just like a vacuum. He would follow you around the kid, eat anything that dropped. Um, we would be careful, obviously, with like the stuff that was actually bad for him. But the first day in his new home with us, I'm in grade eight. My sister is younger, and we're going to take him for a little walk around the block, show off our new puppy. And he's a puppy. He's pulling, of course. He doesn't know how to walk. Um, and we just turn our head for one second. These two little girls walking this golden retriever, and um, he picks up a dead bird, <laughs> and he eats the whole thing. Yeah, why not? And we just see this raven, like Wayne, hanging out of this cute little puppy's mouth, and we're like, oh my gosh! And we're like only a block away at this point. We like run home. We tell our parent, and they're like, eh. It'll be okay. It's like day one. He's so always survived that, and uh, had a great eleven, almost twelve years after that. So. That was day one. <laughs> Excellent. Tyson, what about you? My story's kind of the same as Sarah's. I had my, my dog almost made it to 18 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, my childhood dog. And then, but he he had an iron stomach too, and he would just eat. He was a glutton. He's like, <laughs> he was like maybe 15 pounds at most. But if you left any sort of food out there, he was gone. Like he like, my brother had a foot lawn sub from Subway, and he ate it like cho- Joey Chestnut. Like, that sub, <laughs> that sub was gone in five seconds. And then another time, we had an Easter dinner. We had pizza the night before, and he got a hold of a whole large pizza, and he dummied, like, at least five to six <laughs> slices. And he was just so sick, but and he he was invincible. I, I was legitimately convinced for, like, because you got really sick around 13, and then he just made a crazy comeback, and I was convinced that... He was just going to live forever. Mm. He was going to be the only dog that lived, for, lived forever. This is what I don't get about dogs is that you don't give them strawberries and don't give them chocolate. Mm-hmm. Watch certain bones. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And then you go out and give them toys. Like I was convinced the snow would melt this year and we'd find all of Moose's toys and they're gone. And there's no hole that they've been buried in. Like he's just eaten everything. It's actually mm-hmm. it's hockey pucks. It's funny you mentioned that too because my mom, my, my dog used to love potato skin <laughs> and apparently potato skins are okay. like one of the most poisonous mm. things for your dog really? but my, no but my mom was feeding them potato skins for Come like on. eight years that's because really? he was hoarding them with like bacon bits and cheese oh. on top of the potato skins <laughs> who wouldn't want that it just doesn't make sense don't give them this but like rubber and steel he can stomach <laughs> I love this song. Good. My arms are in the air. Yeah, I think this is rated like the worst song ever made on some charts, but I don't care. I love it. Love it. And it was actually featured in that uh, Fall of the House of Usher 
in a re- in an unusual way. So I dug that on uh, Netflix. Is this like a keyboard? Like a like a keytar? A keytar. <laughs> Feels be. like it should be. You should it's get me one of those. It's hard to believe that this is Starship, like one of the groundbreaking bands of the 19 late 60s, early 70s. <laughs> Like when you talk about, oh, how the mighty have fallen. When I heard this song the first time, I thought, you gotta be kidding me. Just love it, Greg. Love it. All right, I'll embrace it. Milt Stiegel comes up at (laughs) 7.35 for breakfast with the Bombers. And then we've got a show announcement and tickets to give away at 8.05. But the reason we're playing this song is there are changes coming to the park around Air Canada Centre, a possible redevelopment at Portage Place, redevelopment of the old downtown bay, and more work being done at Portage and Main. Yeah, so there's lots of change happening in our downtown and exchange, but we know there are challenges. Uh, the re- recently released Downtown Recovery Strategy Report shows since 2021, 90 businesses closed or left the area. Another 50 have since moved in. Rental unions have been added, but office vacancy rates are still high. In offices, it's about 18% vacancy rate. And then at the ground storefront level, it sits about 30% in the city center. So more people, 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 Greg, is what we always talk about. But what else do we need? Yeah, and those numbers sound a little bit overwhelming. But when you compare it to what's going on in some other cities around North America, it's actually... Not that bad. I hate I hate to tell you. Actually, I'm happy to tell you. That's the question. What else does the city need? That's part of a survey being launched. David Pinzato, executive director of the Exchange District Bids, joins us now. David, good morning. Good morning. So, you, you know, Loren just uh, outlined a, a bunch of diff- different statistics and the situation as it stands right now. Before we get into that survey, when looking at the recovery strategy report, what stands out for you and, and what's your take on where we're starting from if we're, if we're looking this as a demarcation point, so to speak? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age myself here a little bit, but, uh, but uh, I feel like we're starting from, you know, the mid-90s. Like that, when, I, when I'm walking around, uh, that's, that's kind of the sense I feel. We had, we had sort of a similar kind of bleak, feeling period of time uh, you know in the in the mid to late 90s in the downtown and uh you know i think if that's if that's our starting point at this at this stage uh you know there's there's a lot of room for us to to do better of course but i'm i'm cautiously optimistic over the next about the next couple of years so what are you asking for in this survey which is available by the way at downtownrecovery.ca yeah so you know we're we're asking you know the 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 Organizations that have been involved, uh, particularly in the building uh, building business committee, so that's uh, West End Biz, uh, Downtown Biz, uh, Exchange District Biz, and Economic Development Winnipeg. We're really just trying to take the temperature of of just Winnipeggers in general to see where we should. We've got our ideas about where we're going to put some emphasis, but we want to test that. We want to find out what people want us to be looking at. Um, you know, in some cases is well beyond the scope of our organizations, but certainly stuff that we will advocate and work with the city on. And we're just, we're just looking for that. What are, what are the little pieces? What are the big pieces that we need to be examining as we move further into the recovery stage and start looking into the future? I'm about halfway through the survey right now, actually, David, and it asks questions like, you know, feelings of safety. It talks about what brings people downtown, how you feel about the restaurant scene or sports scene. But it also asks the question about halfway through downtown is the heart of Winnipeg. And do you agree or somewhat agree or disagree? And then the question, if downtown fails, Winnipeg fails. What's your response Mm -hmm. to that? Well, I think uh, from an economic, from a cultural, and from a social perspective, I, my I, I, my answer is yes. Uh, I, there's, there's no viable city in the world that has a failed downtown. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. If you look at the from an economic perspective, if you look at the commercial uh, taxes that the city brings in, the highest concentration is within the downtown. If you have a collapsed downtown, the city goes bankrupt. Uh, if you look at it from a cultural perspective, if you think about all of the arts institutions, all of our major, well, not all of our major sports, but most of our major sports, you look at our restaurant scenes, you look at uh, places like the Forks, uh, if that collapses, we don't have anything that's recognizable as Winnipeg. Um, and in terms of social, in terms of the social side of things, it is still, downtown is still the primary gathering space for Winnipeggers in a variety of different places and in a variety of different ways. And if you don't have a downtown, Winnipeg fails. 
I'm a big fan of of little things like making sure that the litter is picked up and that there's a place for me to put my recycling and lighting and 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 keeping things clean and tidy I think is way underrated in terms of how we can build self-esteem and pride in an area but then you take a look at an area like the Alexander Docks which just you know you've got half a million dollar condos uh, from almost one end of Waterfront Drive to the other, and oh, this beautiful, yeah, okay, so right, so then you have you also the Mir Hotel, and now you have the Alexander Docks, which is eyesore doesn't even cover it, David. So you know, yeah, I understand that there are small things we can do, but sometimes all the little things cannot overcome something like the blight of, of Alexander Docks. Is there a plan for that? Yeah, I mean, we've got to work on all of it, right? Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited uh, to be working with the Forks on, on what the Docks site looks like. We've proposed a couple of things in the past. We've worked with, uh, with community to come up with a bunch of different strategies. Certainly, we talk about it in the Exchange District Plan 2022, which was approved by Council in February as one of the one of the sites that needs some real attention, and it needs to be done carefully and with with all of the community in in mind. And it's it's not not just the docks. It's you know there's there's other infrastructure pieces that the city can and should be investing in, and that at the end of the day will reap rewards uh, for for everybody for the for the city's bottom line and for for Winnipeggers who come downtown to enjoy it. And for the Winnipeggers who are increasingly, you know, you mentioned the Alexander Docks. I, I mean, increasingly, people are choosing to live in the Exchange District. We have uh, 308 or so new residential apartment units that are coming online within the next few weeks. And uh, so far in the Exchange District, we have found that those units are getting rented really quickly. So there's a desire to live in the Exchange District and other parts of the downtown as well. And yeah, the city needs to start putting some money into into the infrastructure and into the the the, the, the pieces that make a community a community. David Pensato, Executive Director of the Exchange District Biz. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Downtownrecovery.ca is where you can go to take the survey. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Breakfast with the Bombers is coming up with a very special guest this morning. But before that, we are asking you to tell us about a time your pet defied the odds. Like Bobby, the 31-year-old dog who has just died in Portugal. Longest living dog ever. What does Andy have to say? In the late summer of 2015, my wife discovered a tiny kitten huddled in the sunshine on her front step. At the time, I wasn't a big cat lover, wasn't keen on having a cat. My wife put the kitten on our kitchen table. It hobbled over and kissed my nose. The kitten instantly became the most beautiful thing I'd ever laid eyes on. And he says we took her to the vet, though. The prognosis was not good. Without serious intervention, it might last 48 hours. It was already seven months old, weighed just one and a half pounds, badly dehydrated, missing teeth, had a minor back fracture. And he says they spent the money they had saved for a winter vacation and saved the cat's life. We named her Bella. Today she is eight years old, has about six teeth and a nose shaped like a heart. We love her more than words can describe our little miracle. Oh, that's wonderful. That's cute. Are six teeth a lot? No. No. Like how many teeth should a cat have? Like 40. I don't know. <laughs> is it jaws? Like what's happening here? <laughs> you have 32 and think about how big your teeth are, Of course are, right? you know. I would not have known how many teeth I think teeth it's I 32. Have. You have but 32 or 36 depending on if you have your... Mm, adult teeth. cats should have 30 teeth, yeah. 30, 30 teeth. Okay. All right. So keep those coming for a chance to win tickets for the show we're going to announce at 8.05. Or we just found out we have another show to announce at 9.05. The winner's going to pick which show they go to, and the runner-up will get the other one, and we'll do that at 9.15. Also a reminder, we have keys to the game just after 8.11. That's for the Jets. But in the meantime, let's talk some football. Because it's Tuesday just after 7.30. That means breakfast with the Bombers. Brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca. A better place for you. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are set to host the West Final. November 11th, Saturday, November 11th at IG Field. Before that, one more regular season game in Calgary this Friday night. Yeah, very special guest this week. Blue Bomber legend. Television analyst extraordinaire. 
HSC millionaire, lottery spokesperson, and pending inductee into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Milt Stiegel joins us now on the start. Milt, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Uh, any pets in your house, Milt? Dogs or cats or something else? No, we have nothing. And my sons, they've been asking for years, but I grew up with multiple dogs. My One of my older brothers is an animal lover, and I can't clean up after dogs, so I start dry heaving. So that's the reason why we can't have... We can't have dogs in our house, unfortunately. That's yep. fair. That's fair. Well, the boys are supposed to clean up after the, the dog. Yeah, You're right. not supposed to do that, but you know how that works. So Exactly. You're and two steps ahead. We, we can't get dogs. So we have deers running around our house, so I say those are our pets when we when the deers come around. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> I love it. So West Final, November 11th at IGF, nine days earlier at the Victorian and Conference Center, Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame dinner. We will do our best to make sure the weather is appropriate for your visit, uh, Milt. Do these types of honors become old hat after a while? Not, not one bit. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still excited when I when I get received the receive the calls. I'm still surprised and and overjoyed. Uh, they they never get old. I never take them for granted, and I look forward to them. Uh, just as much as it, if it was the CFL Hall of Fame or when I got inducted into the Winnipeg Blue Bomber Hall of Fame. It, it means so much to me and my family. And uh, as you mentioned, I mean, it, it's going to happen next week, and I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think fans are getting tired either of, of something that's sort of become old hat for the Bombers, Milt, and that's the fact that it's our third consecutive season that the Bombers are hosting the Western Final. How big of a deal is that to host that one day, that one game showdown to get to the Grey Cup? Oh, it's humongous. I mean, if you look at, you know, past uh, great teams that have made it to the Great Cup, majority of them are the ones who were able to uh, host the East or West Final and just have to win that one game. I mean, it's difficult after playing an 18-game season and then having to win two games uh, uh, to get into the Great Cup. I don't care how, how great your team is or how good your team is. It's always uh, to your advantage just to have that one game and that one home game, and especially – uh, with the way things are going with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, with the best fans in the CFL, and I think it's safe to say that they've they've overtaken what's going on in Regina over the last couple of years. They are the best fans, so just have to win that one game uh, with those fans backing you up. Uh, definitely makes life easier for those Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So the Blue Bombers' record this season, Milt, could ultimately be identical to the fifteen and three mark they put up last season, but. Is it fair to say that this has been a, a quieter to this point, three-loss season? It is. It is. And it doesn't matter how you get there, just as long as you get there. But, I mean, people got on me when I said at the beginning of the year, this is not the same Bomber team. They're older. Uh, but it, it, it's, just, it's just part of the game. Uh, they took a different route, but they're still where they want to be. Uh, it, it took more bumps and bruises, but they, they're still where they want to be. So, they have to be excited for that. Uh, and I'll say it again. I don't think this is the team of old. Do I still think they're going to win the Grey Cup? Yes, I do. I said it at the beginning of the year. Uh, but this is not the same team. They didn't dominate the same way uh, they did in, in, in previous years. But they are in the same place that they were in those previous years. So they have to be excited for what they have. Uh, it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. I think it will finally, at the end of the day, it will be them in Toronto uh, in the Great Cup. And in my opinion, Toronto is the best team right now in the CFL. So uh, hopefully that will be the case because I think that will be a Great Cup cl- classic game, in my opinion. All right, Melt, I don't need to tell you. I'm sure you know Brady Oliveira needs just 20 yards from scrimmage to break 2,000 combined yards on the year. A couple of questions here. Does he even see the field Friday? And how do or how should the Blue Bombers approach Friday night's game in Calgary with regard to their starters? You know what? I hope he does. And and, and I know, you know, it's, it's all about the big picture, but these are milestones. You don't know when this opportunity uh, is, is going to come about again. Of course, let's hope he plays for a long time, but you don't know if you're going to be in this position again. So let's hope uh, Michael Shea and the powers to be allow him uh, to step on the field and, and, and get those yards. If, he, if they don't, I understand they're looking at the big picture, but if I'm Brady Oliveira, and I don't think it's being selfish, I'm fighting. He's two yards away from 1,500 yards. How many people can say they, they've done that? And, and I think, what, 20 yards, as you mentioned, away from 2,000 yards. 
uh, total yards from scrimmage. How many people can say that? So let's hope they give him that opportunity to get out there and then take him off the field. Uh, players like Zach, I don't even think he'll even travel, or, or Adam Big Hill or Willie Jefferson or other guys, older guys who may be nicked up. Some of those guys may not even travel. But you just can't take the whole team off the field and put in all your backups. You don't have enough players for that. The salary cap doesn't allow that. So there are going to be some guys who do play in. Uh, they'll, they won't play as much as they usually do, but there are some guys who have to play. But some of those older guys, some of the guys who are nicked up, uh, I don't even think they'll travel to Calgary uh, come Friday night football. Okay, so if you had to make your vote now, who would you pick for most outstanding player in the league, Milt? Uh, it, 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 from the West is going to be Brady Oliveira. From the East is going to be Thad Kelly. And because he steps on the field and the quarterback is the most important no. position and all he does is win. I got to go with Chad Kelly. Oh, I Milton. I, I know, I know, I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to get my, my card taken away from me for a day, but it has to be Chad Kelly because all he does is win. What he's done this year and his first year starting as a quarterback in the CFL has been amazing. What Brady Oliver, what he's doing is amazing, but – I got to go with Chad Kelly. I got to go with Chad Kelly. All right. We're still friends, but uh, hopefully you're wrong on this one. <laughs> I, I would love to be wrong. I would love for Brady. What Brady Oliveira is, man, he is. And some people may say he's not even a MOP of the team. They're going to say it's, it's Zach. But in my opinion, without Brady Oliveira, that team is not in the position there. And he's done so much, not only running the ball, but also catching the ball out of, out of the backfield. He provides so much for that team. That's why I think he's the MOP, not only of that team, but of the Western Conference. I'm replaying this uh, audio for Derek Taylor when we record our podcast today because I've been vying and uh, and, and vouching and, and cheering for Brady on that front. I'm glad you agree on uh, the MOP of this team, at least who will get the nomination. Milt, always great to catch up with you. We look forward to seeing you in the city next week, and uh, th- thanks for all you do. And when I get the guys, please make sure it's warm. I've been looking at the weather reports, and it's been cold. People are still wearing shorts and T-shirts down here in Atlanta, so I'm expecting some warm weather when I arrive uh, Wednesday afternoon. No promises, brother. (laughs) All right, you guys have a good one. Milt Stiegel joining us live on 680 CJOB, the Blue Bomber legend, television analyst extraordinaire, HSC millionaire lottery spokesperson, and pending inductee into the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. I like the fact that he just says it's got to you know, got to be Chad Kelly. He's being honest. I like the honesty. And uh, he's rep- being representative of his job, right? He's not being a homer. That's exactly right. Uh, I like the fact, though, that he acknowledges... Zach Caleros, yeah, most outstanding or most important. However, you want to craft that with regard to the Bombers, but Brady's got to be the MOP candidate coming out of the Blue Bombers. We'll find out, I think, next week. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Before we say hello to our next in-studio guest, we have another show announcement, Greg, and tickets to give away. Oh, yeah. Chelsea Handler, the LBB tour. You might be seeing it marketed elsewise on social media. Friday, February 9th at Burton Cummings Theatre. There's some words we can't say on radio, so we're just saying the LBB tour with Chelsea Handler. Pre-sale Thursday, October 26th from 12 to 10 p.m., Password is Vocals. The tickets themselves officially go on sale Friday at 10, Brett. And as mentioned, we have tickets to give away. So today's winner of our text contest, which is to tell us about a time your pet defied the odds, you will pick the prize you want to see either Chelsea Handler or Beyond Monet, which we announced at 8.05, and the runner-up will get the other prize. In the meantime, we met our next guest a few years ago now, Greg, and it's kind of become an annual tradition, a rite of passage, as it were, for the fall to highlight something quite important. I really like the way you put that, Brett. October is Disability Employment Awareness Month, an annual campaign highlighting the contributions and inclusion of people with disabilities in the workplace. Premier Personnel is celebrating 40 years in business supporting people with intellectual or developmental disabilities to find employment. Ernie Thiessen is Executive Director of Premier Personnel, joins us in studio. Nice to see you back in the studio, Ernie, after a couple of years. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, this is uh, this is something that we know important to you, and therefore it's become important to us to highlight what's going on this month. Why is Disability Employment Awareness Month so important? Yeah, it's important because 
statistically, almost one in five Canadians currently would identify as having a disability. But for employment rates, people with disabilities only are employed at a 59% compared to 80% of people that do not have disabilities. So they're way underrepresented in the workforce. And in October, we try to highlight why hiring people with disabilities is good for business and why it's good for the, the people that they, they, you have a pool of people that want to work and have skills and just need to be able to be connected to employers that are willing to give them that opportunity. And, and the benefits are there for the employers once they, once they see that it works. Hit some of those highlights if you can, Ernie, that, you, you know, in terms of your, your pitch for, for hiring people who with developmental disabilities, because we hear this and I'm just wondering what the roadblock might be that you hear back from some businesses. Is it misconceptions, uh, misunderstanding, you know, right. what so goes a lot, on? A lot of employers, when they hear that somebody has a disability, they think that they're going to be dealing with loss of time, you know, not being able to do the job correctly, a variety of things like that. But what we would tell an employer is that, you know, it may take a little bit of extra time up front to teach the person the job, but in the end, they are able, perfectly capable of doing those kinds of jobs. And the other thing is that the the number of missed days is actually far less for people with disabilities, statistically proven, and and the turnover rate tends to be a lot lower. So once you have that person trained, uh, the people that we support generally stay in their place of employment for a lot longer. So Super you're actual, committed, right? Yeah, totally. And, and, and your, so your turnover rate is less. So in, in the end, your actual training costs are lower because you're not having to train as often. Do employers have a tendency perhaps to underestimate somebody with that kind of a disability? Totally. Um, and, and they are often surprised by the capacity that the people we support bring to the, the workplace. And uh, yeah, and there's been many occasions. And, and we support people with a variety of disabilities. So we have, over the years, when we first started, so 40 years ago, there was a segregated school that all the people with special needs, in quotation marks, went to at the time. And then they would go across the street to a sheltered workshop after they were done school. And there was a group of parents, a group of educators, a group of people with the province that said, you know, there's better options. And so we, we were the very first uh, supported employment agency in Western Canada that gave, provided opportunities to go out into the community and do work for paid work for real expectations and, and, uh, yeah, but, but so at the time it was strictly people with intellectual disabilities, but it, over time we support people that are on the spectrum and, uh, you know, FASD, like lots of different types of disabilities. So we have people with a lot of different skill sets for sure. Now, you know, people that have gone to post-secondary and have specialized skill sets as well as people that, you know, just want to have a job where it's a, you know, a repetitive job that they can get used to and get comfortable with and, you know, just know that they've got a place they can go to mm-hmm. where they have a place they can contribute. I know there are a lot of small communities that have special places where individuals can go and work and, and they'll, they'll uh, build certain things. In, in Boys Vein, there was something called the Handcrafter years ago. And those are maybe more make-work projects and wonderful enterprises, but now I've, it sounds as though things have have evolved, and so it's that cooperation now with employers. And so we've spoken so much about this worker shortage. Has this been a little bit of a boon to those For seeking sure. employment through your organization, Ernie? Yeah, it's it's been. When it's an employee's market, that's usually when we do our best. And, and it's when employers get their eyes open because they're willing to look at different pools of possible employers or employees. It opens their eyes to different options. And then when they hire somebody, it really opens their eyes to it. Hey, you know, this is a real option, you know, and, and this is something I should be doing, you know, regularly because it is, it is a good option. So, yeah, and I think, and I think as time has gone by, more and more employers are becoming aware of that as an option. So it is becoming when we go in and have discussions with managers, there's, there's a lot more awareness that, that, that it is an option these days. PremierPersonnel.ca is the website. Ernie Thiessen is Executive Director of Premier Personnel, joining us live in studio for the first time since the before times. Ernie, it's great to see you again. Thank you. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are asking you this morning about a time your pet defied the odds, like Bobby, the 31-year-old dog who just died in Portugal, longest-living dog in 
history, according to the Guinness World Records. So a time that your pet defied the odds, whether it was long life or something health-related or just like, how the heck did you get in there? So, uh, Loren, we uh, always leave our winner to the end, so start us off with one of our runners-up. Oh, up. boy, I don't even know where to go. Okay, Glad and Diane said they had a winter blizzard 13 years ago. They went out to start clearing the snow and noticed this dog huddled in the bushes alongside their home. Though he was extremely afraid, with frozen feet and snow covering his body, he took the food and water that we brought to him, then went back to hiding. That night, he's still there, so we put a blanket under him, built a shelter to block the wind. The next day, he's still there, so we put notices up at the vet office, took him to the Humane Society. He did not seem to know or receive a pat on the head or what dog food was and did not have a collar or chip. The Humane Society told us he had been abused and would not be returned if an owner showed up. So we adopted him 13 years later, though deaf and poor eyesight, he's an amazing, wonderful dog, still full of youthful, happy, silly energy. Cheers to Duke from Diane. We knew this would be a I tough know. choice today. <laughs> As I'm reading this, I'm like, wait a minute, winner? So is the next one. <laughs> Greg, where do you want to go next? <laughs> when I was approximately five years old, my dad was working up north. One day when he came home, he brought us a pet garter snake. Your favorite? My favorite indeed. He brought it home in a three-gallon glass pickle jar. So we named the snake, of course, Pickles. We lived in a townhouse at the time. One day I went to look at Pickles and I noticed the lid of the pickle jar was off. Pickles was gone. We were very sad. The next day we heard our neighbor scream. (laughs) She came over to our townhouse, was yelling at my parents in the morning before we went to school. Turns out our snake Pickles had gone down the floor drain in the basement (laughs) and come up in her washing machine. I would not be happy about that. No. Pickles was fine and my dad had to go and recover our pet snake. Oh boy. Our next uh, runner up here is a very long time ago, my dad was working downstairs in our furnace. Our old home had a little larger floor vents that you see today and could hear my dad working in the basement. So my five-year-old brother asked if our puppy Pepe could come down and see him work (laughs) and then proceeded to put him down the vents. Believe it or not, he made it halfway down the vent until he got stuck and we had to call a heating company to take (laughs) apart all the ducts to get him free. Needless to say, dad was not impressed and he was grounded for a week, but Pepe was okay and lived until 14 years old. Oh, quite an adventure. Share at the uh, dog old folks home. Imagine the call. You just got our dogs in the vent. <laughs> it probably happens more I'm often. I'm sure, it sure does. The stuff that they have to retrieve from these vents, I bet you. I'm just getting a cat out. I'll be right there. <laughs> My little brother's in the vent. That would be the next call here. Uh, but I think we're just going to have to skip to our winner, who is Tammy, with, a, with an incredible story about her fish. Loren, why don't you take this one? I was maybe eight years old when I got my first goldfish. One day I noticed it had a long string hanging from the bottom. I asked my mom and she said it was poop that would fall off at some point. She went downstairs to cook dinner and I sat there waiting for the string to fall off. When it didn't happen fast enough, I grabbed the little fish net, got him or her out, used a tissue to wipe its butt. Well, that fish wiggled out of my hands, fell into the old school cassette tape player, which opened at the top. (laughs) I was so upset. My mom comes running up the stairs, finds me holding a tissue in one hand, fish net in the other, but a missing fish. Dad had to come, dismantle the cassette player. He found the fish. Its tail got ripped off, probably stuck on a part. I cried even harder because I had killed my fish, Tammy says. Dad, Dad then put it in the water and it started to swim. It was out of the water for a lengthy period of time, not to mention the known tail. We were all surprised it stayed alive and it ended up living a long very long life, more than any other fish I owned afterwards. <laughs> Bucking the trend. <laughs> Beat the odds. As if that fish lived. <laughs> no fin. Was it the dorsal, the tail fin? That's crazy, Tammy. And congratulations. So you get to choose either you're going to see Beyond Monet happening at the RBC Convention Center. We announced mm-hmm. that show at 8.05. Or... Tickets for Chelsea Handler, which we just announced at 9.05, and then one of our runners-up will get the other prize. Right now, we often say that you are our family, that we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you, our listeners. And that couldn't be more true for our next guests. Yeah, they've been loyal listeners of CJOB for a long time. And four years ago, tomorrow, 
they were suddenly and tragically part of our headlines. It was on October 25th, 2019, that their son was killed in the collision on the south perimeter. The 19-year-old's death on that extremely busy, and, and I think we can all say it's an often dangerous stretch of highway, eventually led to the construction of a new service road between Waverly and Brady Landfill, and it's now known as Ethan Boyer Way. Yeah, that change came in part because of the advocacy work of Ethan's parents, but they haven't stopped there. Annually, they now run a fundraiser for pets in Ethan's name. We are grateful to continue to have them as part of our radio family. We say good morning to Sue Zuck Boyer. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. And to Dana Boyer. Hi, Dana. Morning. Sue, before we get into what you're doing on the charity side, we wanted to ask beyond the improvements to the perimeter that are still underway and some still on the drawing board, what else needs to be done in your estimation? Oh, well... I mean, I think more enforcement would be nice because I'm constantly going through those 80-kilometer intersections that we have all around the uh, perimeter, and people are just blowing past me at 100 or whatever. And if, if those people only knew what we had gone through, uh, maybe they would uh, slow down a bit. So I think awareness more and uh, more enforcement would be nice. And if we could eliminate all the um, intersections, that would be you know, awesome, but that's not going to happen. I know they're working on it on the south side, too. Dana, it's not just about those improvements, though, is it? It's about attitudes that we have. Like I take that highway regularly and can't get over the way people just don't seem to, you know, the signs don't mean anything to them. No, they blow right through them, Lauren. You're absolutely right. We try and slow down all the time. Uh, I will totally admit that on the highway itself, I probably go a little faster than I'm supposed to. But when it comes to the intersections or the the 14 or 16 or 18 lights that we have around the perimeter, which is utterly ridiculous. Um, I definitely slow down. Now, Sue, tell us about Ethan and his love of pets. I seem to recall a Thanos being in the family because that's what this fundraiser is all about, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Thanos was uh, Ethan's dog. He just loved him. And um, the day before he passed, Ethan uh, sat on the couch and said, mom, he is the best dog we ever have had i just love him and um unfortunately thanos uh, died of cancer shortly after ethan had passed uh and he's now with ethan so we've been told and he's hanging out with him and and ethan just loved animals i it, a memory came on my facebook of ethan in greece sending me a picture of a cat and then sending me a picture of a dog and all these animals he wanted to rescue from greece in 2019 Dana, I know that uh, anniversaries and birthdays and Christmas and these different times are incredibly difficult. Uh, have you have you managed to get to the point where some of these things, I'll put it in quotation marks, uh, but have they become a, a celebration of who Ethan was? <clears throat> yeah, you're absolutely right, Greg. We, we try and make that. It's not easy. Uh, I'll be honest, the days still suck. Um, but you, you have to do something. You have to, as Sue keeps saying, put our pain into purpose, which you guys help us do all the time. And in, in keeping Thanos and, and Ethan and all the critters, you know, uh, memory alive is one thing that we do. And, and as you know, we did with the T-shirts this year. We decided to do T-shirts with Ethan and Thanos on the on the front, um, sitting on the quad, which was quite amazing for a dog that was 115 pounds or so. And and those days are, yeah, tomorrow's, uh, and this year seems tougher. You know, sometimes you think, oh, it's going to get better, but yeah, it doesn't. It's uh, hard to predict, I can imagine, right? Just when you think you're rounded a corner, so to speak, you might find yourself back in all those emotions, Dana. You get smacked in the face. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's and talking to other friends, um, you know, who've lost their children as well it's it's it, they come out of nowhere those days sometimes but you know you, you you carry on because you have no choice and we try and do that with our tin for the critter bin fundraiser that we do every october and so far this year we've delivered to you know pennies all breed and before the bridge uh, senior canine and spirit of hope to help keep their their shelves stocked for all the rescued dogs that they seem to find and, and bring in or or, you know, get dropped off for whatever reason. 
Yeah, well, it's kind of a never-ending cycle, isn't it, right? Like, no matter how much you raise, that need is going to essentially replace itself sooner than later. And um, as we look at this t- beautiful T-shirt, by the way, that's a great picture of uh, your you. son and the dog. But uh, October is Tin for the Critter Bin Month. So if somebody wants to provide some tins for the critters, how do they go about doing that? Go ahead, Annie. Okay, um, uh, Tracy Johnson, from who owns uh, Marion and the Southdale location of uh, Pet Value, they will take in any donations. It can be, you know, leftover dog food from home or cat food or, or blankets, or you could purchase something in our stores. They are open for anything. Also, um, Stonewall Quarry Pets in Stonewall, uh, Nicole Nagy has been a great help, and she also has uh, been set up for, for the tin for the critter bin, and people can pick up from their store or drop stuff off. Um, and I just wanted to add with the t-shirts this year, it was done for awareness and a little bit of a fundraiser. And our plan is, is that it's not going to be a huge amount, but the money we raised from those t-shirts, um, we plan to do- actually donate to Leash Manitoba, uh, which is a great uh, cause um, to help dogs that are lost. So that's, um, that's something new that we've added this year. And I just wanted to add also that our Interlake Foundation, the Tin for the Critter Bin, this is I might get emotional here. This is our first year that um, we're actually going to be able to donate um, to, to rescues. And um, we're uh, donating to Penny's All Breed, Gimli Humane Society, Manitoba Mutts, um, Dog Rescue, and Before the Bridge Canine, which they're not aware of, but each are going to get a $250 um, donation from uh, Ethan's um, memorial. Dana, maybe you could chat for a bit. I was actually just going to mention here, this is, I don't know if you guys believe in signs or, you know, what higher faith you might believe in, but when I look at this Absolutely. t-shirt that you gave us, Dana and Sue, and, and on it, there's the dog on the four-wheeler, and this is out of, no. this is just pure coincidence this morning, we were talking about the oddest places your pets end up and the and the ways your pets, <laughs> enter, you know, get into your lives, and then here we are talking to you a couple hours later after we started that, and you talk about... Ethan's dog being on the like, how did he get up there as a big dog? How would he do that? And so I just, you know, sometimes it all comes together even when it's the hardest of days. And I just wanted yes. to say that for you both. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I do believe in signs and stuff. And also, I want to say that uh, Constable uh, Shaylin Fenton from the RCMP did another uh, coin challenge donation on Facebook, and she raised uh, fourteen hundred and twenty-five dollars for us to go pick up pet food and donate to shelters. So um, I just wanted to send out to big hugs to her she's and, the uh, uh she was first one of the first on the scenes four years ago yeah she, yeah, she, she was, was and we haven't seen her since two weeks after she was in, due to be transferred to alberta and we have not seen her since november of 2019 yet we stay in t- touch over social media all the time like not just in october but all the time uh, sharing memories and and she's always always been such a great supporter of of uh tin for the critter bin month Sue, just Dana, thank you so much for for keeping Ethan's memory alive. I feel like I, I know the young man, even though I never met him, and and the incredible work that you're doing to keep his memory alive and to 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 create a legacy for Ethan is uh, is just something that uh, any parent and any child would be proud of. So th- thanks for being who you are. Thank you. I want to thank you both, uh, Loren. Brett and Greg uh, for for helping us uh, getting the word out and and for for all the CGOB listeners that go and donate whether it's to a pet value or whoever or or donate on their own um, you're helping the shelters and all those animals that are in need Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts it never gets easier for us Uh, unfortunately you just life goes on and I just love to you all have you adopted more pets (laughs) I would if I could we have three dogs and three cats. Well, our ark is full. I feel like there's room for more. We'll discuss this later, okay? Oh, yeah, sure. And I understand you, you just volunteered then to uh, to adopt as well. Then. I got one. That's so Loren needs a cat or two. Yes, she does. Yeah, she's got the space. Cats are easy, Loren. That's what I keep getting told. Cats yeah. are easy. All right. Suzuk Boyer and Dana Boyer joining us live on 680 CJOB. And once again, October is 10 for the Critter Bin in honor, in memory of Ethan Boyer, who died on October 25th, 2019.